Good up to the second petition of the Lord's Prayer. And a brief exposition of this petition is found in Lord Day 48. I think the Catechism calls attention especially to four elements in this petition, which is the second petition. Thy kingdom come, and the days rule us all by thy word and spirit, that we may submit ourselves more and more to thee. That's the first element. Preserve and increase thy church. That's the second element. Destroy the works of the devil and all violence which would exalt itself against thee and also all wicked counsels devised against thy holy word. That is the third element. And finally, till the full perfection of thy kingdom take place, wherein thou shalt be all in all. We must remember, beloved, uh, the address of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, uh, which art in heaven. Uh, for it stands to reason uh, that that address covers uh, the whole Lord's Prayer. Uh, when we are taught to pray, hallowed be thy name. And then we ask that the name of our Father who loves us and is infinitely glorious, our Father, who, I, who is in heaven, we pray for the hallow, hallowing of his name. And so it is in all the petitions. Our Father who art in heaven, we pray that thy name may be hallowed. Our Father who art in heaven, we pray that thy kingdom may come. 
Our Father who art in heaven, we pray that thy will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what is true of the first three petitions is also true of the last three. Our Father who art in heaven, give thou us this day our daily bread. Our Father who art in heaven, Will thou please forgive our debt as we forgive our debtors? Our Father who art in heaven, please lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our Father, who art in heaven, we pray all this because we know that thou art our Father and that thou hast control over all things. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And that is the significance of the address of the Lord's prayer below. You test that once. And see whether uh, there is any other form of address uh, that is more perfect and comprehensive than this particular address. You can pray to God, you can pray to the Almighty, you could pray to the omnipresent, perhaps, but uh, there is nothing like that address which the Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven. And therefore we must not hesitate to use this form of address. As a first petition, you know, the a Lord's Prayer is divided first into two parts. The first part covering the first three petitions and all pertaining to God and to His Lord. And the second part the last three petitions, or four, as you like to divide them. Those petitions concern us, our bread, our forgiveness, our sanctification. And now, beloved, we're up to the second petition of the first part of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the first petition concerned 
the name of God. Hallowed be thy name. And we will not repeat what has been said concerning that first petition. Only I want to call your attention to the fact that in the first petition we pray as prophets of God. The name is an object of our prophecy. And in the second petition, we pray as kings under God in Christ. And therefore we pray, Thy kingdom come. And we will speak on that subject, the coming of the kingdom, as the object of our prayer, or the second petition. And call your attention, first of all, to the kingdom, and secondly, to the coming of that kingdom, and thirdly, to the prayer for its coming. God is king, unquestionably. God is king over all. In his great power and in his great glory, even as our Father in heaven, he is king over heaven and earth, and nothing ever escapes his power. Nothing can ever deny his rule over all creation. It is king. Uh, but, beloved, uh, when we pray, thy kingdom come, we do not have in mind uh, that general form or the general idea and power of that kingdom of God uh, that is universal. We do not pray in the second petition uh, for the coming of the kingdom of God in power, but we pray for the coming of the kingdom of God in grace. That's the difference. God is king whether we want it or not. God is king whether we pray for the coming of, of his kingdom or not. Uh, but 
In the second position, we do not pray for that particular form a part of God's kingdom. We pray only for the kingdom by grace. That by kingdom our Father who art in heaven let thy kingdom that is the power of thy rule by grace <coughs> come and be perfected so perfected at that present week that there is nothing left at all but that kingdom ruled by grace forevermore. You know, we must not look at the coming of the kingdom of God and even of the coming of the kingdom of God by grace as if that kingdom were a restoration of the original kingdom in paradise. Adam, as you know, was king. God gave him dominion over all earthly things. He ruled. And they ruled in the name of God. Uh, that kingdom, that original kingdom, it did not last long. It was destroyed completely so that there was nothing left of it by the sin of Adam and Eve. There was no kingdom of God anymore in the earth as far as man was concerned. He did not want to rule under God. He wanted to rule all by himself in his own name, in his own power. Under the devil. So the kingdom of God was destroyed. Now, when the Lord teaches us, thy kingdom come, it doesn't mean that the kingdom which God establishes is a restoration of that kingdom of that original kingdom in which Adam was the head only with this difference that Christ is now the king is the rest all the same of course not God, beloved, never repeats 
God is infinite in his wisdom. He doesn't have to repeat. And for the glory of his name, he does not repeat. Never does. But God has never stopped either. His work is never frustrated, even though it may seem as if the kingdom of God were destroyed when Adam and Eve sinned by the temptation of the devil. No, no. God goes right on, beloved. And he purposed another, a far more glorious kingdom of which the kingdom of Adam in paradise, the kingdom on the earth in Adam was only uh, not even a type uh, but a shadow nevertheless and beloved that the king uh, that kingdom of, of which we uh, pray about which we pray in the second petition is not is simply a restoration of the kingdom of Adam, uh, but that it is entirely different, although it is still a kingdom, is plain from, from all scripture. And the Lord says in the chapter we read, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of which we speak, beloved, is the kingdom of heaven. Besides, the scriptures tell us, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God because the nature of that kingdom of God is such that flesh and blood can do nothing with it. Nothing. If our present nature, say it were possible, would be in the new heavens and in the new earth, we, wouldn't, uh, we couldn't do anything with it. We couldn't even see it. We couldn't even touch it. We couldn't even rule, even though we were in that new heavens and new earth. We couldn't even do anything with it at all. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so, beloved, we must emphasize and keep emphasizing that when the Lord teaches us to pray thy kingdom come he refers to an entirely different kingdom 
uh, than the original kingdom of heaven, Adam and earth. Entirely different. In fact, also in order to cut off the modern idea of the kingdom of God below. We must emphasize that the kingdom of which the Lord speaks is eschatological. That is, it's a kingdom that comes after the second coming of our Lord. Eschatological. The last thing ushering the kingdom of God of which Christ speaks in the second petition. The moderns, beloved, oh, they are so Christian. Uh, they are apparently more Christian uh, than uh, the Christians themselves, the believers. And they emphasize uh, that we must work for the kingdom. Uh, we must uh, uh, work for the coming of the kingdom on this earth. Uh, we must labor in order to bring men into the kingdom and labor in order that the kingdom of God on earth may be perfect, perfected. Beloved, that is nothing but modern nonsense. Nothing else. If you read anything about that, by all means, say to the author that wretched, that's nonsense. We cannot bring the kingdom of God, beloved. Oh, we can, as a catechism, as a tool, we can uh, manifest the life which is the life of regeneration. We can manifest the life of the kingdom on earth, but we can never bring the kingdom. That's nonsense. And therefore, beloved, we must distinguish especially three things about the kingdom for which Christ teaches us to pray. In the first place, uh, that it is a kingdom of Christ. Christ is 
the Son of God, beloved. Even though Christ is the Son of God in human nature, he's nevertheless the Son of God. And only the Son of God can possibly be the universal head and the universal king of the kingdom of God. No one else. No one could possibly sit at the right hand of God as Christ does now. Sit at the right hand of God. But the Son of God in human nature. So, at that first, it is not a kingdom of man. It is not the restoration of the kingdom of Adam. Uh, but it is distinct. And that the king of that kingdom is the son of God in human nature. That's first. Secondly, we must also emphasize that the kingdom of Christ is spiritual. And when I say spiritual, beloved, I do not mean the same as saying invisible. That's not true. It is true uh, that we cannot see the kingdom of God now. That's impossible. Because the kingdom of God now is realized in Christ who is in heaven and is spiritually realized in the hatch of the subjects of that kingdom in the world by regeneration. We cannot see that, beloved. We cannot see Christ. Not now. Although Christ is not invisible, we cannot see the life of regeneration. Although that life of regeneration is not invisible, it isn't. But the kingdom of God is spiritual in the first place, beloved, in the sense that it requires the life of immortality to see it. Although we cannot see it now, we will be able to see it when also our body our eye and all the senses that we now have are not only perfected but are immortalized 
I can also put it this way, beloved. The kingdom of heaven is spiritual because it's only the Holy Spirit of Christ that causes the realization of uh, that kingdom of heaven. Maybe that's prayer. That covers it all. When we talk about spiritual, as the term is used in Scripture, we mean, really, all the work and all the effects of the Spirit of Christ in us and in all the world. Spirit of Christ. And thirdly, and that kingdom, beloved, is heavenly. The kingdom of God is heavenly. It's not earthly. Or earthly. But it is heavenly. It's called not only the kingdom of God, but also very often the kingdom of heaven. Ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness that also may be rendered not according to the text but according to the idea of scripture seek ye first the kingdom of heaven kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are identical only from a different point of view the kingdom of God emphasizes that God in Christ is the sole ruler by grace of that kingdom. The kingdom of heaven emphasizes uh, that uh, the kingdom of God is glorious. It came from heaven, beloved. And it returns to heaven. And it will not be perfected until heaven and earth are united as one great heavenly glorious kingdom. That, of course, is in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory is that kingdom is. We can describe that glory. Not now. We can just imagine a few things of it, beloved. And that kingdom of heaven is so glorious because then we shall see God. And a perfect covenant fellowship with the triune God. So glorious because then the final manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. And we shall see God in Christ.
and dwell with him in eternal glory. That will be glory indeed. In the new heaven and in the new earth we shall see Christ everywhere. And in him we shall see God. I know we know not how that is possible, but it's true nevertheless. No matter where you are, in the new heavens and in the new earth, you shall see Christ. Do not have to travel, say from Grand Rapids to New York, in order to see Christ. You shall see Christ everywhere. And that is glory. And in Christ, we shall see God, the face of God. That therefore is the threefold characteristic of the kingdom of God and of the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of Christ as the Son of God in human nature. It's the kingdom that is spiritual and it's the kingdom of heaven. Altogether different from the state of Adam and paradise because, beloved, Adam was mortal in the kingdom of heaven, we'll be, we will be immortal. And not only, uh, only, I say, only when we have become immortal in body or soul, can we inherit the kingdom of heaven. Not before. Uh, you may notice that the Catechism also mentions uh, that uh, the prayer implies a petition for the church. Increase thy church. Preserve and increase thy church. The Catechism understood, therefore, beloved, uh, that there is a close connection between the church and the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. A very close connection. In a sense, we may say, beloved, uh, that they are really identical. The church is the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is the church. Only, we never have, can distinguish. In the kingdom of heaven, uh, there are the same people, the same saints, as in the church. 
In that respect, the extension of the kingdom of heaven is like unto the extension of the church. But, although uh, they are the same, in the church, beloved, they are members. Members of the body. An organic idea. In the kingdom, uh, they are subjects under Christ and at the same time kings. The members of the church are subject kings under Christ and under God. And that is really the chief difference. Although, as I said, essentially uh, they are the same, yet you can distinguish. The church is an organism. The kingdom is the commonwealth. The church is the body of Christ. The kingdom is the sum total of the citizens of that kingdom. The church is the bride, beloved. Bride of Christ. At the same time, in the kingdom, they are the queen. Queen of Christ is the church. And therefore, really, although essentially the church and the kingdom are alike, yet, beloved, in a sense, the kingdom is much more extensive than the church. Because the kingdom will not come until the new creation of heaven and earth. That is the kingdom of God, of Christ, of heaven, of earth. How did that kingdom come? We may say in a way, beloved, that all the ages of the history of this world is really essentially a coming of the kingdom of heaven. Everything. Everything in, it, in history is subservient to the coming of that kingdom of heaven. It started 
immediately after the fall. Although it was in God's decree, of course, before the fall, beloved. Historically, the kingdom of God came immediately after the fall. When God said to Satan, to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise it. That is, beloved, the coming of the kingdom of heaven and the Old Testament by promise. That's the promise of the coming of the kingdom. The promise of the enmity of the seed of the serpent and of the victory over the seed of the serpent. That is the kingdom. Besides, in the old dispensation, we have some, or we have many individual citizens of that kingdom before the flood and even after, beloved, we have men like Enoch and Noah and all that are after the flood until the tip typical form of the kingdom of Israel is organized. Abram, Isaac, Jacob, all the individual saints of the kingdom of heaven, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, are there and represent the kingdom and the kingdom life. And then there was the typical form of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of Israel. Israel was the kingdom of God, beloved. Was the kingdom of God. Essentially, in the typical sense. But the kingdom itself was not yet as John and also Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is come near. When John baptized and when Christ came and labored in that marvelous period of one to 33 A.D. Christ and John could say the kingdom of heaven has come near. But it was not yet because the spirit was not yet. And the spirit would not come until Christ had fulfilled all that was necessary to lay the basis and the ground for the kingdom of heaven. And that was done. Done in the cross. 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. He died. He entered into death in order that the subjects of the kingdom of heaven might have the remission of sin and a mortal life which was necessary. That is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ arose from the dead and was raised from the dead by God into an altogether different life than was ever seen before. The life of immortality. And not only did Christ rise and was he raised from the dead, uh, but he ascended into heaven where he belonged. As sat at the right hand of God, beloved, as the King supreme over all things. Then the kingdom of heaven was realized, beloved, in heaven. Not here, but in heaven. In heaven is the throne of the kingdom. The throne of David forever. In heaven is the heavenly Jerusalem centrally realized in Christ. In heaven is Mount Zion, not here, and never will be again. But it is in heaven. And all the essential elements of the kingdom of heaven are there where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. But even so, the kingdom of heaven is not finished. No. After the exaltation of our Lord Jesus Christ, he received the Spirit. And the Spirit of Christ was poured out into the church. And being poured out into the church, beloved, he dwelled and all the citizens of the kingdom of heaven regenerated them, called them, justified them, cleansed them from sin and evil, and caused them to look forward in hope to the final manifestation of the kingdom. That is not yet. The kingdom of heaven is 
Griffith didn't have it. It is also principally perfected by the spirit in the heart. We have all the blessings of the kingdom of heaven already now, beloved, in Jesus Christ our Lord, in principle. But the powers of darkness are still here. The devil and his host and those that always worship the beast is still in the world. That's why the catechism says uh, that it belongs to the coming of the kingdom of God that the powers of darkness be destroyed. Completely destroyed. And that will not come, beloved. The destruction of the powers of darkness will not come. Gradually, by way of a process, oh no, it will come suddenly. And the day of Christ. Oh, it may take some time. The day of Christ is not just a day of 24 hours, but nevertheless, at the day of Christ, the powers of darkness will be destroyed forever. And the earth on which the powers of darkness have reigned are ruled so generally will also be destroyed, beloved. And new heavens and new earth will be created in which righteousness shall dwell. That's the future. You believe, beloved? <coughs> Shall we pray, our Father, who art in heaven? Thy kingdom come. That means, according to the Catechism, first of all, in the spiritual sense, rule over us. By thy word and spirit. Is that you desire? Can you pray that any time, beloved? Oh, perhaps not perfectly. But nevertheless, you must be able to pray this in order ever to enter into the kingdom of heaven in glory and immortality. Rule of wrath. By thy word and spirit. You can individualize it, beloved, and say, Our Father in heaven, rule over me. By thy word and spirit. Do you? In the second place, it means, according to the catechism, that 
God, not we, may gather and perfect and complete and preserve the church. And that you pray, you pray for the church, you pray for our churches, do you? As the purest manifestation of the church in the world, do you pray, our Father in heaven, preserve our churches? And cause them to increase in the knowledge and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Still more, it applies according to the catechism that God will destroy the works of darkness. No matter how, it may probably cost you tribulation. And tribulation will come. Can you pray that below? Can you pray our Father who art in heaven? Cause the powers of darkness to be destroyed, even though it must be in the way of the tribulation of this present time. Do you seek the kingdom of heaven in its righteousness? Seek it? Is that your prayer, beloved? Is it your prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, uh, give me grace to seek the kingdom of heaven and nothing else, knowing that all things shall be added unto me. That's the second petition. The second petition, beloved, means as far as your disposition is concerned, your spiritual disposition, that you are humble, utterly humble, because God does it all for you and in you and through you. You have nothing to boast, and I have nothing to boast. And therefore, I say this, the second petition, beloved, means that you earnestly seek the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And then you could pray. Otherwise you cannot. Our Father, what in heaven? Thy kingdom come. Amen. Thanks, O Lord, for all thy mercy, for the proclamation of thy word. We pray, give us grace to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed 
被带进，在敬的不干，阿门。We sing in closing number fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. Stanzas two and three. What King of our glory is this that you sing? The Lord strong and mighty, the conquering King. Ye gates lift your head, and a summit obey. The doors everlasting. Wide open the way. Two and three, fifty-eight. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit.